You're listening to the Anomalous Podcast Network. Multiple voices, one phenomenon. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back to the channel. It is uh, Thursday. I hope everyone's having a great day wherever you are in the world. Um, I've had a fantastic day. It is 8pm here in the UK. Uh, Before we bring on my guest, a couple of things. I just want to say thank you to everybody that's here live on YouTube. uh, And thank you to everybody on YouTube that may watch this after the fact. I appreciate that not everyone can be here as it goes out live. And to everybody listening to this on the Anomalous Podcast Network, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all the support. Um, For anybody that wants to support the channel, we have memberships, super chats, and super stickers. But don't worry if if you can't help out. If you do have any questions that you want to ask our guests, please pop them in the comments, in the live chat, um, and pop them in capital letters. Um, One final thing, um, the documentary series that myself and Dan and Ash recently filmed in Colombia, the trailer is going to be released tomorrow at 2 p.m. GMT. Um, You'll have to work that out wherever you are else in the world. I'm sorry, but look out for it on my Instagram, on my Twitter and everywhere else. I cannot wait to share this with you guys. But that is all irrelevant right now. I would like to bring on our guest. Um, I'm a big fan of this show and and of this gentleman as well. So please welcome Mr. Thomas Winterton. Thomas, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much for doing this. It really means a lot. I'm excited to visit with you, especially when I found out that you're uh, across the pond. Yep, yep. It spreads everywhere, man. The ranch uh, is global. So, uh, yeah, really exciting stuff. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> I, have, you, have you done much global interviews and things like that? So I did a uh, a podcast with a gentleman in Scotland, I believe. Oh, no. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm just getting over a head cold and some pneumonia. So if I have to clear my throat, I apologize. But um, uh, I did one over there with him. And then uh, I did a interview in Poland, which was an interesting experience because it wasn't a live interview. What we did was uh, like they submitted the questions we had to translate. Then I submit translation. We had to make sure. And, and I don't, I don't read Polish. So hopefully it came across the way that it was supposed to, but other than that, uh, everything else has been stateside. Awesome. I'm glad that we can um, share this with, with people over this side of the pond. Um, I guess to start off, I'd just like to ask a simple question, which is, have you been on the ranch today? I have not been on the ranch today. Uh, I actually will be on the ranch later today. I was on the ranch yesterday until, uh, well, I was there till yesterday evening. So, Excellent, excellent. And I know that from some of the, the things we've seen on the show and stuff, there are kind of quiet periods on the ranch. And then there are times when things kind of ramp up a little bit. So, if you were to say at the moment what's happening on the ranch, is it a quiet period or is there still sort of strange occurrences happening? Um, actually, I would say that the last little while, um, 
has been active. Uh, but I, I say that, you know, the thing about the ranch, I tell people nine out of 10 days, you go on, you know, you roll on the ranch nine out of 10 times. It's, it's calm. It's peaceful. You know, the gate shuts behind you. I feel like I'm kind of locked away in my own world. Uh, I don't get good cell phone reception out there at all. So for the most part, when I enter the ranch, it's like entering this whole private little realm. And, uh, and I love it. And then there's that one out of 10 where you roll on. And, and there's been times where you just roll up to the gate. And, and whether it's the hair raising up, you know, on your body or just you, I've learned it's like being married, you know, you're married long enough. You can start to tell the moods without having to ask the questions. You roll yeah. up the gate and it's like, ah, man, she's not in a good mood today. I, I don't know if I should be going on. And, uh, and so there'll, there'll be once in a while you roll up and it's like, no, it's not happening today. And I'll turn around and leave. Wow. So we can really go from just being in a beautiful place and everyday kind of pleasant experience to something that really just is the opposite that's that's so fascinating yeah and and you know i can't count the number of times where i've been there working and and been working there all day and everything's great and then it's like something shifts something changes and and really rapidly you you know i just i've learned to listen because when you don't listen that's when it seems problems happen um especially if I'm out there, you know, working on something by myself and I don't have somebody close by that can, uh, can help me out. We've seen people go in catatonic states. We've seen people uh, have some pretty severe physical reactions. And so uh, I, I've, I've learned, I'm, I'm not going to tempt fate. So if I start feeling that way, I usually heed the warning signs. Now, if I'm with somebody you know, if, if we've got the group of us and we're doing something, that's different because we've got a lot of instrumentation. That's when we really want to dig in and see if we can try to, you know, capture the fingerprint of something that's going on. But if it's if it's just me working out there during the day, you know, on something, I I'll I'll usually heed those warnings and get off. But it, it can happen rapidly. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think for anyone familiar with the show knows that you've had some pretty serious injuries in the past. So to hear that you like work, you are working on your own in, in some instances, do you have, um, a, a, you know, how would you go about contacting someone? You mentioned you have bad cell service and stuff like, are there still risks involved with being on your own on the ranch? Well, and I need to, I need to qualify that statement. <clears throat> you're never truly alone on the ranch um, <laughs> with all of our monitoring and everything. Uh, so whenever I'm on the ranch, uh, one security knows, and then we've got our scientist uh, Eric Bard and I let him know. Right. And he, he's really good at like keeping tabs on me and making sure that if I'm out irrigating, um, we, we generally don't let people go out by themselves. It's not a good idea, but frankly, at the end of the day, there's just some tasks that have to get done. And, and if I had to wait, our, we only get water you know, we, to irrigate the land, to water the land. We don't get to choose those times that we get the water. We, they just tell us this is your turn and you can either take the water or you can let it run down the ditch. And here in Utah, second driest state in the United States, every drop of water is precious. So that means that I'm out there on the ranch at uh, usually 
a, a good portion of our turn uh, to take the water happens at night. And so if I'm if I'm sitting there trying to coordinate with other team members, it just becomes impractical. So I've kind of there are times that I just I go do my own thing, but I'm always careful. Like I check in with Eric. Right. And, and security knows that I'm out there. And then we've got our caretakers that are there most of the time. And so uh, helps never far away. Uh, but if something bad's happening, sometimes 10 minutes can be the difference between something really bad. And, and, and uh, we've had individuals go into catatonic state, in which case I would be at the total mercy of Eric checking in or, or you know, Dragon or Caleb checking in and saying, okay, where is he at? Is he okay? And uh, so there, there's, look, I know when I go on that ranch, there's risks involved. It's something that I've accepted. And uh, you, you have to look at the risk rewards and say the opportunity to be part of this team, the opportunity to be involved in this investigation carries risks. And, and uh, I, I either accept them or I find something else to do. No, that, that's fair enough. And I suppose you've been working together as a team for a few years now. So I suppose you form that bond, that cohesion where you naturally look out for one another and you're, you're kind of almost hyper aware of what everyone's doing. Am I right in saying that? Absolutely. Yeah, we we have a very we, we call it ranch family. Uh, we you know, we're very close and you do get a sense. Uh, I mean, we've been together now going on what six years yeah. And you get a sense of the movement and just over time we've, we've developed uh, policies and procedures and just habits that we follow. So we keep a close eye on each other and that is part of it that helps mitigate the risk because I know those guys got my back. Excellent. And, and, you know, you've got your core team and, and obviously Brandon we see in the TV series is, is seems to play an active role. But is that the same in reality? Is he constantly in touch with you guys or visiting the ranch on a regular basis? Absolutely. Uh, Brandon's very hands on. Uh, the thing I love about Brandon is he doesn't micromanage. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, you know, he's very successful. He's very busy. Uh, businessman and the the great thing about brandon is he he assigns everybody their roles and then he just trusts you that you're going to take care of that and he doesn't micromanage uh but we all are you know we all check in with him on a regular basis um eric's in touch with him on a daily basis so he's very hands-on anytime something happens uh there's not i don't think that there's much that happens on that ranch that brandon's not aware of Excellent. Excellent. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to go into a few sort of more technical questions about things that we have seen through the TV show uh, and maybe things that we've heard on social media. Um, and it, it's kind of to do with different um, experiments, I suppose, that you've done on the ranch that have kind of, for me personally, I've just wanted to ask more questions about them. Um, now, one thing that I mean, I'm a UFO UAP guy. And yes, I'm interested in the kind of paranormal aspect as well. But with regards to the UAP side of the investigations, one thing you have done is utilize weather balloons. But you've not had a lot of luck with them because, you know, sometimes they seem to have popped or, or not gone up to where you want them to. Do you put that down to bad luck or do you genuinely, genuinely believe that the, there is something affecting them? Well, let me ask you, how many times do you... How many failures do you finally switch from bad luck to something's going on? What What's that number? Ah, man, that's a. I'm on the spot now. That's a great question. 
I guess I don't really have an answer because I've not physically done it. But then now I'll, I guess I'll rephrase the question. Have you got past that period yourself where it becomes <clears throat> a bit too convenient that it's just luck? So uh, I came <laughs> on the ranch as a, as a very healthy skeptic. Right. Uh, my brain is wired more for skeptic. Although I will say the ranch has done a fantastic job of helping me rewire some of that. Um, <clears throat> and uh, at the beginning, you know, oh, it's a coincidence or bad luck. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and then two happens and then three happens and then four. And you're like, man, this is this is a huge coincidence that all these things are taking place. And then at some point it you start looking stupid is what happens. And, and we talk about this at the ranch a lot, like sometimes trying to reach for the explain the mundane, right? For example, we'll, we'll talk UAPs for a second. You see a UAP, this guy, you're like, Oh, it's just a plane. And then it, it moves sideways and you're like, Oh, well, it's a helicopter. Then it drops <laughs> down. You're like, Oh, well, that's a drone. And then all of a sudden it appears from here to there so fast you're like, well, we're not aware of any drone that can move that fast. At some point, you run out of things that can logically explain what you're witnessing. And you actually become, you actually look more foolish trying to fit it into the known than you would if you just said, you know, okay, that's a UAP, right? Yeah. Um, so back to the weather balloon. Um, yeah, we, we launched that weather balloon in season one. And what you have to do is just... Uh, Eric's been really good for our team in the fact that um, and I'm getting less and less to say, oh, well, it's got to be this or got to be that. It's here's the facts. You tell me what you think, um, because I I'm tired of looking like a fool if, if I'm trying to fit <laughs> it in a box that it doesn't belong in. That, that weather balloon was instrumented out with two separate GPS tracking devices. And we had... Um, Matt come out. He's, he's an acquaintance of Travis Taylor's and he's launched uh, hundreds of weather balloons. So he's very, very experienced in this. It's why we bring experts out is if we mess it up and it's our first one, it, it probably user error. We, we we're trying to eliminate as many of the possibilities as we can. So we bring this expert on who has launched hundreds of weather balloons with this same type of equipment package. And interestingly enough, this is, this was part of the fascination for me was that specific launch that we lost the balloon. Uh, we're, we're running into the, the later part of the day and the winds are picking up. And while we were sitting there trying to get this thing ready, the winds were blowing. I mean, it was a pretty stiff breeze. And as we were sitting there preparing, I was joking with the guys. We were all joking. We we're like, this thing's going to be Colorado before it even gets to that. <laughs> foot mark. Because the wind was blowing from the West towards the East and uh, and just to give reference, we were probably, <clears throat> I don't know, we are several hundred feet to the south of the triangle there and okay. just a little bit east. Right. So just a, just a tad to the east and to the south of the triangle. And we've got winds that are blowing straight out of the east. And we had smaller balloons, just your regular birthday balloons that we would fill up and we'd release them. So we could get an idea of what the winds aloft were, were doing. Right. So 
before we'd launched the big one, we'd let these little ones go and we'd see what was happening with it so we could have an expectation of what to expect. Well, these these little ones are launching and they're just taken off towards the east. And so, you know, but that's part of the that's the part that's one of the issues with filming is uh, to try to come back tomorrow and do it. It may not even work. Maybe tomorrow's raining or we've got something else scheduled for the next day. So it's now or never. So yeah. we let this balloon go. And sure enough, it takes off to the east. But as it's quickly rising and it, all of a sudden it's like it almost makes a U-turn as it gets up into the winds aloft. And then it gets it, it goes right up through the center of that triangle. I mean, so it, it kind of backtracked to the west a little bit and went north, which wasn't at all what the little balloons were doing, right? So right. and now look, the winds can shift. I'm not saying they can't, but we let this balloon go and it goes right dead center of where it was that we wanted it to go. And so we're now tracking it on our electronic devices. We've got these GPS that are, and I, I can't remember if I, I don't remember what the um, response rate was, if it was once a second or once every minute, it almost seems like every 60 seconds it was transmitting. Sure. And Matt's, Never had a problem with these. Matter of fact, he, he was telling us about one that that hit the ground and, and got ran over and the thing still worked. He's like, these things are almost indestructible. We're talking about the GPS units, right? Yeah. Well, it's reporting fine. It's reporting fine. We're getting good data, good data. And right when it gets up to the 5,000 foot mark where we triangulated that this energy is coming from, it quits transmitting. And uh, it it never transmits another. Now that's the hardened one. Uh, the, the second one continued to transmit for just a couple, just a little bit longer. And then it went out. And, and to this day, uh, we never found that balloon. We had, wow. uh, we went out and searched for it for a while. And then there was a couple members of our production crew that searched, I think for up to two weeks looking for that weather balloon. And we, and they, when I say searched, I mean, we, they were putting drones up. We were, we were using some, you know, we were using drones to see if we could spot it on the ground where it crashed. We had done some uh, triangulations and tried to figure out possible locations where it could be and try to narrow it down. And, and they searched all the way over to the Colorado, even into Colorado a little bit looking for wow. this balloon. So we, they searched a huge swath of ground and uh, we, we never found it. That's so strange. Yeah so bizarre and we know that you like you said there is anomalies when it kind of hits that altitude around five thousand feet but also and you talk about the triangle area we know that there seems to be anomalies under the ground um so let's stick with equipment going wrong shall i say um let's talk about the cell phones because we've seen in the show caleb's phone for example really doing some really strange stuff that almost doesn't seem possible because it's breaking through his passcodes and stuff like that. But are there other examples that we may not have seen in the TV show of equipment going wrong without any kind of logical explanation? All the time. Um, that's, that's probably one of the, um, our electronics malfunctioning is probably one of the most common occurrences, uh, most common anomalies that we witness on the ranch. Um, we, we seem to witness a lot of electromagnetic interference with inks. 
whether it's drones that are malfunctioning, uh, falling out of the sky, uh, thinking they're places that they're they're not, uh, whether it's our cell phones. My, my cell phone is personally uh, wigged out. Um, I could give you one example. I was up on top of the Mesa working on a set of cameras one day. This was this is a couple of years ago um, and uh, had a, <clears throat> another individual there that was uh, just out kind of looking through the rocks below me. You know, we're always looking for signs and stuff. And uh, this is later in the afternoon. And uh, this individual had a headlamp, a flashlight headlamp, and it had gone dead. And so rather than packing the bag and everything up the up the hill, just left it at the bottom of the hill. Well, I'm up there and I'm trying to troubleshoot these cameras that are having issues with Eric. And I'm up on a ladder and and I've got my cell phone up there. I'm leaning against the ladder and I'm up there. And our ranch dog, our black Labrador ranch da- uh, dog, William, he's up there at the base of my ladder, right? And so I'm up on this extension ladder and I'm texting back and forth with Eric. And he's, we're, we're trying to troubleshoot between, he's, he's, uh, he, at this point, he was actually running things that particular day. He was in his uh, home office out on the Wasatch Front. And so, you know, but uh, so I'm communicating with him and he's telling me, try this, try that. And I'm up there trying to do this. And all of a sudden the dog starts whimpering. William is like, he's so mild mannered and, and it's so out of character for him. And he's, and I look down at him. I'm like, what's wrong, William? And he starts just really, really whimpering. I'm like, what the heck? Well, at that same time, I lose control of my phone. And what I mean by that is I had my message app because I was sitting there messaging Eric, the messaging app closes and it starts opening up other apps and it's doing it. It's doing it. You know, it's opening it up and I go to close it and click it and it'll do something else. And I lost all control of the phone. And so I kept opening up the message app. I get into Eric and it would close it. And I'm like, what the heck? So I finally, I'm like, I can't communicate with Eric. The dog's down there whimpering. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, this isn't working. So I climbed down the ladder and I yelled down to the other person. I'm like, hey, when you go down the command center, I can't communicate with Eric. I, I need to go in there and call him and uh, walk down to the bottom of the hill. Well, here's this bag just glowing. It's like, <laughs> it's pulsating. I'm like, what wow. the heck? What's, what's going on with that bag? Open it up. Well, there's that LED headlamp, which is, was dead. Yeah. And the light is so bright. I mean, it's 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 pulsating brighter than if you put a fresh battery in there, right? I mean, this thing's just and it's sitting there pulsating like I'm like, what the heck? And so that's an incident of a time when my cell phone started misbehaving, the dog started whining, and then we've got this dead battery LED headlamp that just goes from dead to suddenly pulsing very, very bright. Um Though that that's a good example of electronics. Everything from I've pulled up to the gate. Uh, I was driving to Vernal one day. Um, I was taking my family to dinner over to Vernal, and I had I think I'd left my wallet in the command center, and so I was like, "Oh, just stop real quick. I gotta grab my wallet." We pull up to the gate. I got my wife and kids in the car with me, and as a rule, my, my kids aren't allowed out there, right? Right. We just, we don't let people go out there, but I'm like, I just got to grab my wallet. It's going to be a quick one and one minute in and out. 
pull up to the gate. I'm in my, I, we have a 2002 or I mean a 2012 Yukon Denali and right. I'm waiting for the, I, I punch the button. I'm waiting for the gate to open. And while I'm waiting, the radio turns itself on and this lady is, it's a country song, a lady singing and the exact lyrics is as I pulled up to the gate in my GMC and my kids are like, no way, dad. And, <laughs> And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And so, I mean, everybody saw, nobody touched the radio. We didn't turn it on. I run in, grab my wallet. We spent the rest of the night. My kids are like doing lyric searches, trying to find a song that matches those. We never found it. If anybody else out there, your listeners, knows of a country song with a lady singing, I pulled up to the gate in my GMC. I would love to know what song that is. But strange stuff like that happens constantly so like for example when things do malfunction like that do you then go back to the command center and look for energy spikes or or any kind of activity that may have been captured on the on the equipment you have in the control center everything uh to to the best of our ability we try to report everything to eric uh regardless of how inconsequential it may seem to us you know, I, I'm not the scientist there. It's not up sure. to me to determine what's important, what's not important. Anytime anything out of the ordinary appears to happen, uh, we were all instructed to let Eric know. Eric is meticulous and very detailed. Um, he'll collect the data and then, um, you know, maybe maybe it helps out, maybe it doesn't. But it also allows him and, and now... I have to say, you know, we were all skeptical when we started this and this has been a, it's been a journey for all of us. We're not professional paranormal investigators. We, I didn't go to college for that. Neither did anybody else. Right. And so there's been a learning curve here of, oh, something's happening. I need to have presence of mind to get a timestamp. Right. Yeah. That's so critical, but, and it sounds simple and yet, I have to admit, like I'm well into the, well into my time at the ranch before I finally have gotten to the point where something happens. I'm like timestamp, you know, and sometimes it requires notes so that I can tell Eric, go back and look at the equipment. Did we see an RF spike? Did we see gamma rays? Did we see something on the cameras? And so, yeah, you're right. Like we always report that. And then Eric, that gives Eric the ability to go back and say, did we see anything happening across the ranch? Did, was there an RF spike? Can we explain this phone going crazy with maybe a high spike? The problem with the RF though, I mean, we've, we've got tri-field meters that do the RF, but when we're talking oh. about spectrum analyzers, the spectrum is so massive <laughs> that to, to try to watch the entire spectrum is, yeah. is, the, the data that it requires, it's, 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 it's like looking for a needle in a haystack is what it's like. Yeah, sure. Uh, I just want to take a second to thank Mr. Gary Voorhees Jr. Thank you for the $20, Gary. Gary says, I will forever be grateful to Thomas and Dragon for saving Jason. Now, it's no secret that the guys at UAPX have visited the ranch in the past year, whether you can talk that much about it maybe maybe not but can you talk about what it was like meeting those guys and working with them in a general on general terms well i could just say being being in my position i can neither confirm nor deny 
their visit, but I can confirm I have met them and I'll tell you, uh, uh, very impressed. I mean, we're talking about no nonsense individuals. Um, look, I, I like getting around people that I feel are grounded that aren't yeah. seeing you. I don't like it when I get around people, I feel preconceived agendas. Like sure. if, if you have an agenda to prove it's true or an agenda to prove it's not true, uh, I'm a skeptical of both ends of the spectrum, right? I, I like people that are grounded and that just says, you know, we'll go wherever the data takes us. And, and in meeting those individuals, that's really the way I felt was uh, I felt like I was dealing with like-minded individuals. It's like, we're just going to follow the data and uh, you know, see where it takes us and to meet them, to hear of their own personal experiences. Uh, I, I'm a big fan. Uh, I'll I'll say that. Ah, that's great to hear. And we obviously they've got some great work due to drop soon. I think so. I think everybody's looking forward to that. So Gary, thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate it. Um, moving on to one thing that really really stood out to me, and I think this was in season two, was the the time when the rabbi was brought out to perform the the ancient ritual um, just out away from Homestead Two. And what we saw on the show was obviously this thing forming uh, you know i think it was above a doorway that i guess i'm just going to say it looks looked like a portal which we know has been reported on the ranch before temperature drops drastically i mean i have so many questions i don't i, I can't pinpoint one but what was it was anything ever did that investigation go on for a lot longer than we saw were there any conclusions formed like where are you with that kind of strange activity yeah, so uh, I have a lot of questions too. Uh, <laughs> it seems for every one answer we get, we create a hundred uh, more questions. Um, you know, uh, so to answer your question, yes, that exercise has caught our attention um, a lot. And again, what we've been dealing with out there a lot is electromagnetic interference um frequency right and so uh when rabbi ariel's talking about how um his culture the, the jewish culture has tonal technologies that can open portals it, it gets our attention and uh and again like i'm sorry but i'm skeptical when we go sure. out there you know and you hear him start doing his chant and we're all sitting there watching and uh yeah you got to realize what what you're seeing on tv you know we film for months yeah and and it's taken down let's see that was season two so we had 10 episodes okay and and i want the listeners to understand so we we film for months and when i say we film i mean we're filming minimum five days a week and we're on that ranch there's been times where we filmed like 16 hours through like our filming days are long. And when we're not filming, we're getting ready for the next experiment. There, there are so many, there were so many times during filming, uh, during our filming interval where we would put in long, long hours filming. We would finish. Then our team's dead tired, but we've got an experiment planned, you know, we're bringing so-and-so in from across the United States and they're going to be here at 8 a.m. 
and we need to be ready to execute this experiment. Yeah. And so what happens is we get done filming and then we literally will spend the rest of the night preparing for the experiment. Right. And, um, and then like, it's like, Oh, the sun's back up. I need to run home and shower and get ready so we could start filming again. And so the, the whole point of this is, is we're talking about months of experiments and, and, and uh, film. And then we have to condense it down to 10 episodes. And I can, I don't know what the exact minute count is somewhere 43 or 47 minutes. Somebody can, yeah. somebody can check that next time when they're, they're looking, <laughs> but 430 minutes. And when you look at the amount of time and the amount of film that we did, we're, we're talking about 1%. So what you're seeing on TV is like the exciting parts, the highlights, the, the, the parts that are going to captivate the audience. What you don't see is the hours and hours of prep leading up to it. And sometimes during the experiment, the hours that we did during it, in case of point, the, the rabbi, yeah, we, we spent a lot of time there, right? Um, and then, of course, the, the long analyzed period that takes – Eric spends months after we finish filming. I mean months. And, and Travis too, you know, but mainly Eric analyzing and sifting through the mountains of data. And so uh, as far as the rabbi – we repeated that twice. Uh, the first time we did it, we was live with the rabbi. Yeah. And it was a warmer night. And what ended up happening is we saw this this vo uh, vortex of cold air that just kind of like, I mean, it's not like it floated in and floated out. We're watching this thermographic camera and the flare and all of a sudden you just start seeing this start materializing and it creates this big black hole. Well, the black hole, we ran down there. And I tell you, as a, an individual running into that, uh, I grew up, my family, my family has a grocery business. And I grew up walking into the deep freeze. From okay. you know, I, I know what that's like going straight into the 10 below zero. This was different. This cold like goes through you. It's, it's like humid cold. It, it penetrated. And it was like it was bone chilling and it was so, it was just like a wall. Um, obviously we couldn't see anything with our naked eye. All this is being picked up on the camera, but you know, I stopped and thought about it. I'm like, we hear about portals, but I don't even know what a portal looks like. like <laughs> would I know a portal if I saw one? And so you see the thermographic camera, you see this, this black vortex. Well then we repeated it. Uh, we, repeated it a short time later and that the second time we did it it was cooler outside like i, I believe the thermometer was 43 or 47 degrees so i mean it's cold and the opposite thing happened we had a vortex of warm air that materialized same spot right so part of the scientific method or uh, yeah the scientific method is being able to repeat your results so sure. Uh, without going in and giving away anything else, just know like any time that we can produce a repeatable effect. Now, twice is not enough to say it could have been a coincidence, right? Yeah. And and then the other thing that happens is that means we need to create a baseline. Do, would we see that normally if nothing, if we didn't play a chant? Is it, does it happen to be something about that particular geographic location or or the trees or you know something in the physical makeup so 
what it does is it creates a lot of work groundwork for us we got to go get a really good solid baseline what how does it behave normally and and then repeat the experiment more because again twice could be a, a coincidence maybe but it is it is fascinating that we did it twice and we got the inverse reaction but it was the same basic thing Excellent, excellent. Thank you for that. And I just want to reiterate for everybody watching this live, if you do have questions, please pop them in capital letters because I'm switching between talking with Thomas, checking my notes and checking the live chat. It's quite difficult to catch every question, but capital letters will give you the best chance to get them and I will note them and ask them towards the end of the interview. So thank you. Um, Thomas, another thing, um, you used alpacas at one at one point to to bring in. Now, I don't know whether that was or, or what the reason was, but one thing that was uh, shown in the series was that there was a time where you discovered they'd been attacked and there were bite marks. Did anything ever get, you know, did that get sorted? Did you find out what had done the, the bites? Was it, you know, a prosaic, was it a, a coyote or anything like that? Or was it a kind of anomalous? Okay. So <clears throat> I'm going to have to be very politically careful here. <laughs> uh, here's the thing we we always want to be completely transparent and that was uh i i love the professionals that we work with with the production team the entire group from the top down you know at first it was kevin burns and then uh, you know kevin passed away and and now we um we have joe lassard and, and his and kim Shear. they're all professionals from the top down and i have nothing but admiration and uh, i mean this group of people is we couldn't ask for any better right sure and one of the agreements when we went into this is that we were never to fabricate we brandon was crystal clear like if you're going to come in and document our investigation then you're going to document it we're not fabricating anything we're not going to embellish anything you know uh are we willing to re uh reenact something that maybe wasn't caught on camera as long as it's as long as it's factually correct to what really happened Right. We're not sure. going to yeah. recreate and embellish. Of course. Um, uh, our scientists, Eric and, and Travis, are like, we got too much on the line credibility wise to be fabricating. Yeah. That being said, uh, you also have to allow a little bit of uh, if you were to watch just the pure science on TV, our ratings would probably be, you know, the hundred people out there in the world that that dig that kind of thing. But your average person coming home from work that just wants to turn the TV on and be entertained is not going to like that. So there has to be a give and take, you know, they add in their music. Uh, sometimes we laugh because you get the looks, you know, like, oh, and you're like, yeah. wait a second here, right? We got we to gotta add the drama in. The alpaca episode is one, um, and, and it's been a learning experience for all of us, but that's one where we got a little bit upset. Did they lie? No, they didn't. Because you can, look, you can edit me to make me look, say and do almost anything they have a camera on me 16 hours of the day yeah they have enough probably to sink me forever um <laughs> right <laughs> so with the alpacas here here's the facts that we have at the alpacas did the camera facing that direction work no it didn't do we know why no we don't is that strange yes it is was that the only camera on Skinwalker Ranch during that? No, it wasn't. Uh, so were we able to get other camera angles? Not of the Corel per se, right? Right. 
but did we have other angles of coming and going off the ranch that maybe allowed us to see what that was? Yes, we did. And, and so it was played off as if we weren't sure what it was. And yet, you know, it was a pack of, of uh, tribal dogs that had right. come in, right? And that attacked the alpacas. Now, there's nothing strange about tribal dogs attacking alpacas except for, and, and this is this is where we're telling them, like, guys, in the future, like, let's frame this a little bit different. And rather than the way it was framed, which we, I have to say, our team was a little upset about the way that that once, and, it, and I'll tell you, it's only been that one episode. We've been right. fine with pretty much everything else. That one episode. Here's the things is we've had animals up to that point. We'd had animals on that ranch for a couple of years and nothing's touched them. Uh, we had calves there, you know, um, we've had other animals on that ranch and those dogs. Have, I see those dogs every day when I come in and out, they've, they've stayed put. They haven't attacked anything. We bring the alpacas on and literally we have them in the corral right by the command center. And within less than 12 hours of them arriving at the ranch, here's comes this pack and attacks them. That I find kind of strange. Like yeah. did something affect those dogs that made them Were the alpacas carrying a scent that I don't know what it was. And why did that camera quit working? Right. So there, there are definitely strange things surrounding that whole incident. We don't know why we can go a couple of years and never have so much as a hiccup. And then yeah. bam, we bring on alpacas this exotic meat, as we joke, you know, uh, these exotic animals. And, and look, uh, we're all of us on there are animal lovers. And this was the other thing is like, we would never intentionally try to put an animal in harm's way. Uh, do we have the animals on there for biosensors? Have there been cattle mutilations there? Yes. Are we curious about that? Absolutely. But are we out there like intentionally trying to put animals in harm's way so that we can advance science? Absolutely not. And we actually had the alpacas closest to the command center, literally like we're talking less than 50 feet away from the command center. Here's the alpacas for the night. They get attacked. We don't know why the camera misbehaved. And I definitely don't understand why those dogs, which came on and attacked why did they choose what, what made him do it? Right. It, yeah. it wasn't a characteristic with the other three years of baseline that we had. Yeah, absolutely. That's a long explanation, but I don't want to say I have to, be careful <laughs> because it wasn't fabricated, but the way that things can be perceived is, yeah. is amazing through editing. Right. No, absolutely. I'm with you. I, re I really do it. I appreciate you going into that kind of depth of detail so so thank you um now i'm just going to ask you this question but i'm afraid i'm gonna to have to check on my daughter so i will hear the answer through these but i'm going to ask you my good friend benji asks thomas how has your experiences at the ranch changed your personal outlook on life the world and your relationship with others it's a great question um so <clears throat> uh it's completely changed it um the world, the, the world I wake up in now is completely different than the world that I uh, used to wake up before the ranch. And uh, I do get asked this quite a bit. And whoops. Great. Are you still there? 
Yeah, just had to check on my daughter. Sorry, oh. she's okay. You okay? Something happened. As long as you can see me, my computer just went blank. Uh, you can hear me? I can hear you fine. Can you see me? I can see you, yeah. Okay, well, I can't see you anymore, but well, may- <laughs> I'm staring at the can- blank screen. It's fine. I'll let- <laughs> as long as your head's good, we're good. I'm I'm staring at a at a it's 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 blurry. It's like a blank blurry screen. But anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, back to your question. I've witnessed too many things on the ranch that I I can't explain. Um, probably the most traumatic thing that happened to me was my head injury, which yeah. um, you know they talk a little bit about on the show. Um, there is there's so much to my head injury that took place. Uh, there's the physical aspects. There's the psychological things that took place during that. There's been the investigation on it that's happened since. And uh, it's hard to say which aspect has been most disturbing. Um, I'd say the physical part, which was absolutely the most horrendous thing I've experienced physically in my life. Uh, the, the pain was undescribable. Um, you know, they show on TV, they show the bump on the back of my head. Well, yeah, that, that, that specific brain scan that they, I think it looks really dramatic in that. And I think that's why they chose that one. Or maybe that's the only one I gave them. I'm not quite sure to be honest, cause they, they asked for them. Um, and I shared some with them, but that particular scan happens to be after I was operated on. So right. my head complete i had fluid that came in and completely separated the fatty tissue from my skull to where like by the end of the the second or third day i could grab my hair and and walk my my head around you know it wasn't attached so i could grab it and move it around it was it was completely and and they came in and did an incision on the back and so that it could drain out and so everything like the fluid and everything pulled back to that spot and i get a lot of uh questions on this online they're like oh you say that the injury happened on the back the injuries was back here on the back of my head and yet the cat scan shows it up on the top and they're like you know you're not even pointing to the same place well that's because uh that is actually where they put the little wick in that and so all that fluid and everything was was coming back to that spot and that particular brain scan shows that pulled up right there but it happened all over my head and it it was very traumatic. Um, you know, I, I'm not to the point yet that I, I feel comfortable talking about it much in public. Sure. Um, maybe that'll change in the future. I don't know. Uh, but that, that experience changed, uh, it changed almost everything for me. So, um, I, I witnessed and experienced too much to be the same person as I was before. And, uh, and so I've come to the conclusion that there's a lot in this world we don't understand. That's, that's how I compartmentalize it. <laughs> that's a great answer. And thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. It must be difficult to, to relive and, and go through those, those kind of things. So it is really appreciated. Now, that small technical issue that we just had right there just automatically pinged in my head to something like hitchhiker effect or something like that. Is that something that you have experienced personally where you've gone home and you've had strange things happen, like you've, you've, you've taken it home with you? That's been the worst part of being associated with the ranch is. Wow. Um, yes. 
we've had many, many traumatic things happen at home. Um, unfortunately, my wife and kids have been affected. Um, and, you know, I can handle, if stuff happens to me, that's fine. It was my personal choice to be involved. Now, did I know what I was getting into? I, I absolutely didn't. Uh, there's part of me sometimes that wishes I would have taken it more serious when I went on. Uh, but yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. I, I don't believe in looking back and saying, what if, um, yeah. it, it is what it is. The unfortunate thing is, is that by the time I realized it was real, it was too late. And yes, we've had more traumatic things happen at my house in the privacy of my home than, than, uh, uh, unfortunately it, it, it's the part that in some ways breaks my heart. Uh, I had my son pull me aside before we started filming season two and, uh, he pulled me aside and he's like, dad, like, are you sure it's all worth it? And, uh, and, and I, I had to really pause and think about that. And the, the, it, the issue with the hitchhiker effect is if I thought that I could leave that ranch and it wouldn't, and it would leave me alone, if I could leave the ranch and the ranch would leave me, I, I would seriously consider doing it uh, for the sake of my family. Um, The unfortunate thing is, is we have a lot of examples of individuals that have been on that ranch uh, who took the hitchhiker effect home. And long after they disassociated with the ranch, and when I say disassociated, some of these individuals have gone to pretty far extremes, (laughs) you know, burning clothes and stuff. I, I don't know if they've literally burned clothes, but I'm just saying they've gone to extremes. Anything associated with the ranch, they have they've ridded themselves of and, and you know, smudged themselves, trying to put distance between them and the ranch and uh, to no avail. So I look at that and I say, well, I see a lot of examples here of individuals that tried to leave the ranch, but the ranch never left them alone. And so if I can't be guaranteed that me exiting the ranch is going to guarantee that my family's going to be left alone, then if we're going to continue to be terrorized, I might as well be in the middle of it and trying to find answers and, and trying to figure out what it is that's affecting us. Um, I actually think it'd be worse if, if I leave the ranch and then I, my family continues to suffer the effects of the ranch, but I have no connection, you know, no communication with the scientist. I don't have a team behind me that I can lean on that there's sometimes things happen at my house and they make us feel like we're going crazy, like we're losing touch with reality. And there are some days the only comforting thing is, is to be able to reach out to team member and say, hey, hey, Dragon, hey, Eric, hey, Caleb, hey, Travis, or whoever it is, and have them say, oh, my gosh, we had the same thing happen here. Or we're, we're experiencing this. And to be able to, to lean on each other and realize we're not going crazy. You know, we're all experiencing the same thing. It's we, I, we tell people the ranch isn't something that can be explained. It has to be something that's experienced. And it's kind of a small fraternity of, of people that that have been there. And so uh, that's one of the things that keeps me going back because I'm like, it kind of, I tell people when I, when I uh, went on the ranch, I didn't realize it's like the mob. There's only one way out. And uh, <laughs> so <clears throat> it is what it is. Now, I really appreciate you saying that, and it really resonates with me being a father. I can only begin to imagine what, what you've been through. So, again, I have to thank you for sharing that with, with us. It really means a lot, so thank you. 
Um, Julie Bowen asks, have you used music to try and communicate or cause reactions with the phenomena? Uh, <clears throat> well, um, I'll just say there's the official science investigation uh, that the scientists are looking at. And of course, everything, you know, everything happens there goes into the database, right? You can't separate we tell people once you come on the ranch, you are part of it because, yeah. uh, right. So there, I want, uh, you know, I'm not trying to separate it out, but I will say my wife is extremely gifted with music and frequency. Um, she, she has a extreme gift. I've talked about it on other podcasts before. Um, so we, we have a company sur uh, surrounding it, uh, resonance meditations so music and frequency plays a huge part in my life personally, uh, with, with my wife being gifted like she is, um, where it's amazing what frequency can do. And, and because of our research in regards to her company and what's being done with sound, uh, in terms of healing, in terms of, you know, interacting with the world around us, everything's frequency. Albert Einstein proved that mathematically. And as such, uh, it, it only makes sense that music and that can have an effect. So that being said, uh, kind of a long answer to question is um, because of that connection I have personally, that's something that's always on my mind. And I'll say that it's something that's discussed often among us at the ranch. And, uh, and, and I have, uh, yes, I, I try to be careful here. I, this is one of those areas I just need to. Sure. Uh, no problem at all. With, with the upcoming season, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. No, that's good. Good. Thank you. I, I really do appreciate that. Um, Jay Allen asks, would you mind asking if they have installed any new sensor systems recently? Any new telemetry data? If we've installed any new stuff? Any new sensor systems? And I guess the second question oh. is, is there any new telemetry <clears throat> data? Uh, so we are always... Um, upgrading. As a matter of fact, as soon as we got done filming season three, uh, Eric and I uh, personally underwent a huge, I'm not going to call it renovation, but every every year we find uh, ways that we can improve our systems, uh, maybe holes that we had uh, because of data that we get. We find, oh, we need to be watching this area or we need to be watching for this. Um. The challenges with the ranch is it's remote, first of all, uh, and we're trying to have minimal impact on the lands. And then and then you add in the fact that even though Brandon has done very well and is is a very wealthy individual, we, we still operate on a budget. Right. So sure. uh, we still have to be frugal with our funds. And so all those things combined lend to an interesting dynamic in the fact that when we want to upgrade our systems, which we're always doing, uh, we have to figure out a way to get power and network out in the middle of nowhere uh, to run these things. Uh, Eric, we tried to set up uh, a Wi-Fi mesh at one point uh, early on. It was recommend, you know, we thought, well, maybe that'd be a good way to do it. But unfortunately, because of the electronic interference that we deal with out there, we could never keep it up. Uh, the, the, we couldn't keep the Wi-Fi mesh up. It, we, it was so unreliable. And, and it, to be honest, I don't think that we got anything out of it. So we've kind of learned 
we have to hardwire everything that we have. And so, uh, yes, we are always upgrading. And as soon as uh, we got done filming, Eric and I actually underwent a pretty extensive uh, upgrade this offseason. Uh, we've been in the middle of upgrading a lot of things, uh, new sensors, uh, new equipment, uh, new areas of the ranch uh, that we hadn't previously been able to get to. Um, and, and that's still in the works even today. So we're always adding, we're always improving. Uh, Brandon's been very supportive. You know, that this is, this is an endeavor that's not publicly financed. So when yeah. we buy new cameras, when we put in systems, well, it, that came from Brandon's hard earned money. That's not, that's not, uh, that's private money there. So we're, we're always careful with it, but Brandon's been very, very good and very supportive and trying to help us make sure that we have what we need. Excellent. <clears throat> Excuse me. A um, couple more questions before I let you go. I really, like I said, I really appreciate your time. Um, Tina McLaren asks, is there any one specific type of activity that makes you more uncomfortable than the rest? A specific activity type? Or a specific aspect of the phenomena that, that's more worrying than, than you know. Yes. I, there is. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I just discovered it this last summer. Um, I didn't know it existed. Um, that's all I could say about it. And I'll just say stay tuned for the upcoming season to air because I would imagine that, uh, that you're going to see what it is. And uh, it, I, I'll just say I'd, I didn't sleep for several nights uh, after discovering this. Wow. Cliffhanger. Wow. I mean, that kind of leads into my final question is, which was, what can we expect from season three? Season three was intense. Um, right. Uh, and I'll be honest, uh, again, going back to what I explained before, we filmed so much. Uh, I'm going to be just as surprised as the audience when we sit down and, uh, we're watching these episodes there. Uh, I, I, I don't know what's going to make it. What 1% are they going to show? I'm glad I don't have their job because, uh, season three gave us so much material that, uh, you know, I'm not, I can't say for sure what will make it and, uh, what won't, but, um, it's gonna season three is gonna be intense i'm i i've been excited the other two seasons season one was special i mean i've if you'd asked me a couple of years ago or if you told me a few years ago that i was going to be on tv i would how to laugh in your face you know i'm just a, <laughs> i'm just a small rural boy here in utah uh never even thought about doing hollywood tv any of this uh this was so far removed so uh, season one was exciting, you know, Oh, I get to see myself on, on TV. That was kind of cool. Uh, but it, the excitement for season one and two doesn't even begin to compare to how excited I am for season three. Uh, season three takes a cake by far. I, I cannot wait to see what is unveiled because the thing is to see after season three airs and we know what did and didn't show we're free to, then we're free to, it's kind of like talking about those alpacas now, right? Like, could have yeah. never talked about that before it aired, but now that it's aired, it gives us a lot of liberty to to go beyond what was or wasn't shown. 
Excellent. And do we have a release date for season three or a premiere date? You know, to my knowledge, I don't think that they've released one yet. Um, and I, I'm not privy to that. So I'm guessing just like everybody else, but I know like season one and two, uh, if, I, if my memory serves me right, I think season one started airing like the end of March. Uh, and then season two was the beginning of May. So in my mind, uh, I'm thinking that, you know, it should drop here within the next uh, couple months yeah. soon. I've heard rumors of early May, so let's let's hope that's the case. Well, listen, Thomas, thank you so much for doing this. I really, really do appreciate it. It's been fascinating. Um, I hope you'll come back when season three, maybe midway through or towards the end, we'll do this again, and you may be able to you know, talk us through some of the new findings that have happened. Um, I know you've got a limited time, so I'll let you go, uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll say goodbye to, to my chat here. But um, is there anything you want to say before you go? I hope you've had a good time. Oh, it, it's been great. I, I have to say um, I did one other podcast with, with an individual over. I think they were in Scotland. And uh, the thing is, I didn't really realize it until, it until it took place. And the thought that this show is global, you know, is, is kind of, um, for me, it's inspiring to think that this is not just a, a show that's, regional but that it's international and so i appreciate you uh reaching out and making contact and uh you know i'm i'm always happy i'll be happy to come on again sometime in the future if you'd like um thank you oh 100 percent. we wouldn't look the investigation is going to continue whether the whether the tv show continues or not that's not going to have any effect on our investigation we're yeah the investigation moves for it was happening before the show. It'll happen after the show. Um, but it is a lot of fun to be able to show people the highlights of some of the things that we're witnessing out there. And, and the TV shows brought a lot of awareness to the arena. My goal is, is or my hope is that hopefully by applying science to this arena, uh, we can start to bring it mainstream and ma make it so it's less stigmatized bring a little more credibility to the area, maybe start divining some parameters upon which things are based upon and bring some structure to it. Right. And, and cause really it's the only way we're going to figure it out. And when, when I first, I was never in the paranormal space before the ranch. And as I started to come into it, I'm like, wow, like this, this is kind of like a space for which you can claim anything, prove nothing <laughs> and the entire audience follow you. Uh, it just was mind boggling to me. And, uh, and so my hope is like, we, we really want to apply the science into this. We, we live in an amazing world. There's a lot happening that we, we, we are actually a very primitive species and it's arrogant for us to think that we've got it all figured out. And so, or, or that we're even alone in the universe. So hopefully we can use our, primitive scientific methods and and the hope is is maybe we can make some advancements if we can start to figure out what's going on at skinwalker ranch and at some of these other places around the world then maybe it enables us to advance our science and uh and it and then that and obviously helps us better our quality of life and 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 so i appreciate our fans uh i get really long-winded <laughs> sorry i really appreciate it's our fine. Fans. i love it i love it um 
the, without the fans and without the people watching the show, there's no show. And, and then it just sets back our ability to try to, again, bring awareness, bring credibility. You know, these are really our goals. So I appreciate each person that tunes in and watches. We, we appreciate you a lot and anything we can do to engage our fans. I'll tell you, Brandon, Brandon is very interactive on social media. Yeah. You jump on Twitter. Uh, he's constantly uh, replying to people. He's good on, on uh, um, Facebook and Instagram. I Social media has been something I've had to learn. It's an acquired taste for me. I'm, I'm getting better at it, but I, uh, I tend to go hot and cold on it, but uh, sure. <laughs> any, any interaction we can have with people in the space, we're, we're happy to have. So we appreciate, we appreciate all of you. Fantastic. I'll say thank you once again. And thank you to everybody that's watched this live and commented and asked questions. And thank you to everybody watching after the fact, whether it be on YouTube or listening through the Anomalous Podcast Network. I really appreciate you all. And finally, before we go, I'd just like to reiterate that the trailer for our upcoming documentary series, phenomenology um is going to be released tomorrow the the trailer you can find the link in the description below here on youtube for now guys thank you so much i will see you in a few days time for another interview but thank you to thomas and and everyone i really appreciate all the support and hope you have a good rest of your day for now we'll see you later goodbye